How you doing, Purpose Claremont? Hey, today we are uh, in the Read Scripture Plan. Uh, we're looking at Second uh, Samuel 9 through 11 and then Psalm 89. And there's just some big things that kind of popped out um, to me at, in chapters 9 and 10 of Second Samuel. So I just wanted to share that this morning. And then, uh, but let's pray before we, before we go into that. Jesus, thank you so much. As I've just been praying the last two days, uh, very intentionally, I just want to hear you. I want, I want you to reveal even more of you today than ever. And you've done it each day when I've just asked, I just simply ask. And so I'm so thankful that you've done that. So thank you for your word. <clears throat> and as we just real quick look at a couple things um, from our reading today, God, thank you so much. Um, gosh, I'm just so excited about what you've shown me. And I, uh, I'm so excited to hear about what you're showing um, the rest of Purpose Claremont who are um, in the reading plan and who are listening to this and those who aren't part of our community who might be listening. God, thank you so much. Um, thank you for what you're teaching us as we spend as we spend time with you, as we abide in you. We love you. We pray this in your name. Amen. <clears throat> so in Second Samuel chapter 9, um, David asks a servant, hey, who are some people left who are of the people of, um, who are part of Saul's family? Exactly, he says, that I might show kindness, <clears throat> excuse me, on behalf of Jonathan, because he had such a deep friendship <clears throat> with Jonathan. And so they bring up Mephibosheth. This was Jonathan's son, who had become, they used, um, they used the word crippled, um, when he found out that when Mephibosheth was five, he found out that Jonathan had been killed in battle. Um, and a woman was, was running with, 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 with Mephibosheth in her arms and fell and, and he became crippled because of it. And so, um, David's just asking, Hey, who can I show kindness to? Um, and so they mentioned Mephibosheth. And so David brings Mephibosheth, as you've read this, um, before him and says, Hey, you're going to be part of, you're going to, you're going to be taken care of. You're going to be at my table with me um, for the rest of your life. You're going to eat with the king. And so this was Mephibosheth's response. And this is where all that stuff that I feel like God just revealed this morning came. So it's chapter nine, verse eight. Um, Mephibosheth says this, what is your servant <clears throat> that you should show regard for a dead dog such as I? And I wrote in my Bible next to that. Um, I said, this is the same question that I asked God. Like, who am I? Oh God, that you should show me such love and kindness. I mean, I'm nothing. And I, I'm not saying this out of false humility. I mean, so before God, I'm nothing. Without Christ, I'm sinful and rebellious against him. Um, and yet as I wrote that down, I just, I just, this thought came on my mind, um, trusting that's the Holy Spirit, where it um, said, you are, you are mine. I've adopted you into my family. You are therefore a son my favor was on you before the foundation of the world. That's out of Ephesians chapter 1. Um, you've never been a dead dog to me. And I, I just sat there and I thought, man, this is a perfect picture of, of David showing grace and mercy to Mephibosheth. But this really points to what Christ has done for us. This is a Christ figure portrayal of what God has done for us. That while I was a sinner, Christ died for me. While I was against him, when I was rebelling against him, he still came for me. 
And then to think that Ephesians 1 that says that before the foundation of the world, I was chosen in him, that he wanted me and he, he adopts me into his family. And so I just sat there. I was like, wow, God, this is, this is way too good to be true, which is I always say, once you say it's, it's too good to be true and this, these concepts starts to kind of make your mind want to explode, it's then that you're beginning to grasp, not totally grasp it, but beginning to, to grasp the wonder and the beauty of the gospel. And then you see down in verse 11, which says, So Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. And that just struck me. I wrote this in my notes. When I ask you to reveal yourself to me, you do it. Um, I had a great lunch with Chris Lopez, who's part of our community. Um, and he was just talking about how he just asked God, reveal, like, show me truth. And, and then you, <clears throat> he said, well, why wouldn't you... Why wouldn't he do that? Why wouldn't he, every time you ask God, reveal yourself, why would God say no? That he actually wants to reveal himself. He wants to reveal truth. He wants to reveal what he wants us, wants us to do. Um, but this picture of Mephibosheth being invited in, in, into David's home to eat at this table, but that one phrase, like one of the king's sons. And it made my mind jump to Song of Solomon. Uh, chapter 2, verse 4, he brought me to the banqueting house, and his banner over me was love. And you start thinking that we've been invited into the banqueting house to have a banquet, to sit at the table with, with God, like one of the king's sons, or like one of the king's daughters, that we're not on the outside, but we're on the inside. And yes, we're servants of Christ, and yet we're sons and daughters of the king who've been invited into the banqueting house to sit at the banqueting table like one of the king's sons and daughters. Oh, that just hit me so hard this morning that I've been welcomed in as a son. I sit with him at his table and he receives me as a son. He does the same thing for you, those of you who are followers of Jesus. You are welcomed, in, welcomed into the banqueting house to sit at the banqueting table because you're one of the king's sons or you're one of the king's daughters. That was absolutely amazing. <clears throat> then you go to uh, chapter 10, verse 11. And this whole battle breaks out um, because of some really bad advice up in verse 3. But this was such a, a cool picture for me. This is Joab. So Joab, Joab leads uh, David's army, and they're going into battle. And he says this. Um, he, looks at his, he looks at his men and he says, If the Syrians are too strong for me, then you shall help me. But if the Ammonites are too strong for you, then I will come and help you. <clears throat> and the first passage that came to my mind as I read that was out of Acts chapter 4 when it's talking about the early church the early believers um, going through verse 34 it says this all the believers were one in heart and mind no one claimed that any of their possessions was their own but they shared everything they had with great power the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there was no needy persons among them for from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales. The part that I loved about that, when you see, when you see Job saying, hey, when they're too strong for me, come and help me. And if they're too strong for you, man, I'm going to come to help you. We're going we're, we're gonna to have each other's backs. <clears throat> and then you go get to Acts. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything that they had need or that they had. So when what I wrote down in my notes under that was, uh, there's two two things that are that are key to making sure that we actually live this out. One, there has to be a willingness to be open with what our needs are. 
Um, when Job says, hey, when they're too strong for me, you got to come help. And if they're too strong for you, then let me know and I'm going to come help. And we need to make sure that we're being honest. Hey, I'm in need. And that is so humbling to say. It's almost for some, it's humiliating to actually say that we have need. There's nothing wrong. There's nothing humiliating about having need. It's normal. It's part of life. And that's why God gave us each other, the church. That we, the church, remember church, I'm going to keep saying it. Church is not a place. We don't invite people to church. We invite people to to join us for a worship gathering at a specific location where the church meets because the church is a gathering of people brought together to fulfill a purpose. So in order for me to help you and you to help me, I have to be open when I have needs. I have to humble myself and say, this is where I, this is where I need help. And so even on Thursday night, the uh, flood was amazing. The worship service was awesome. Uh, the community was great. I had great conversations afterwards. And then as I walked out, um, I, I looked at everybody and everyone was just having a blast. I just saw people just talking to people. I didn't see anyone by, by themselves. It made me so happy. But then I, it's weird, this, this, this feeling or this sense of discouragement, this feeling, a sense of loneliness came over me as I was walking to my office to pick up my stuff. And I just drove home. And as I got home, I just texted a few people. And I said, hey, could you pray for me? Um, I was even talking to Kelly on the way home. Um, for those who don't know, Kelly's my wife. If you're listening and don't go to purpose, Kelly's my wife. And I just told her, hey, I don't know what it is, but I just, I just had this feeling of loneliness that just brought me down, the sense of discouragement. And I didn't know where it came from. <clears throat> and so, but, but for me to say, hey, I have need, uh, and I'm just feeling, for me to tell her and to text a few people and just, um, just say, this is where I'm at. Could you be praying? And then I have a buddy named Drew um, call me and just... Uh, check with check in with me and see how I'm doing, and then buddy named James texting back and w- back and forth with, with me, and um, it was just it was awesome to see um, to see people responding when I'm in need, just simply saying they're praying. Uh, Callie said the same thing um, that she's praying, and so it was it was so cool um, to be able to say, hey, this is where I have need, this is where I'm just kind of feeling it. So there's that first one. There has to be a willingness to be open about what your needs are. And it's not just like spiritual in my mind, but like physically, um, if we're in need physically, then we, the church, come to help. The second one leads to that. There has to be a willingness to truly help those who are in need, even at the cost of self. So if it costs me something because, but you're in need, but I can come help, I want to be like the early church. And Christians, I think that's what we're supposed to be. We're supposed to be like the early church to where there's no needy persons among us. We're taking care of each other because we actually believe that we're supposed to. This stuff blew my mind this morning, and I just wanted to share it. I hope it's a blessing to you. And again, I say it all the time. I truly mean it. It's not just the way to close something. I truly do love you guys more than you know, and I'm so blessed that God lets me walk through this life journey with you. And I'm so stoked um, to see what it is that God has in store for us, how he's going to work in us, um, to teach us to abide, to love him more, and then to use us missionally to impact um, our communities around us that people might know Jesus. I'm honored. I love you guys, and we'll talk soon.